Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Black Mutualist to get some of his left-leaning anarcho-libertarian perspective, which is, of course, pretty unique. Uh, Not the most common take for me to have here on the Kelly Patrick Show. So, of course, you know, that means it's fascinating for me. I appreciate everyone tuning in. If you're a fan of the show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by returning guest, Black Mutualist, is on the line with me. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? Doing very well. Really appreciate you coming back on. In our first episode, we did gosh, a couple couple months ago, something like that, uh, or about a month ago. Less about than, a month ago, I yeah, think. Yeah. yeah, about a month ago. My sense of time's all messed up. We covered some, <laughs> some basic stuff. You, of course, come into the world of the Libertarian Party or Liberty Movement from more of a uh, to-the-left type of perspective than I'm used to, which is, of right. course, very fascinating, and that, uh, at least in my mind, opens up some different um, conversations different questions but uh before we before we jump into some of the the follow-up questions i have from our last episode you're in georgia um yes sir of course they are they have a very contentious um senate battle going on right now and it actually involves chase oliver ended up playing an interesting role in that and is at least getting some good publicity Right. You know, from a, a liberty libertarian candidate perspective, that's maybe uh, about the best that you can. In some ways, I know that sounds like I'm being negative, but I'm really not. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. No, it's a good that if you you know talk to Chase and you saw some of his interviews, you know his whole point in running was to you know kind of make a name, you know, force a runoff and kind of uh, raise awareness in a way uh, of liberty. 
Um, so just as a summary, of course, um, uh, Warnock versus Her- Herschel Walker um, mm-hmm. right now is is what's going down to the wire. A, a runoff, so that'll be, when is that, in December? We'll get to see yeah, that. Yeah, it'll be December. Okay, I think maybe yeah. December 6th, something like that. We'll get to see right. the conclusion of that. Uh, how would you describe what's going on uh, other than that basic summary of it being Warnock versus Herschel Walker? What, what are your thoughts on that Senate campaign? Right, so, you know, I tell people in Georgia, um, due to the influence of culture in places like Atlanta and maybe Savannah as well, um, kind of the more liberal areas, especially Atlanta, which is, you know, a major economic center, but also a majority black city. Um, due to that and kind of the mixing of cultures is kind of came around. Um, most of the conservatives or the right wingers in Georgia are actually like libertarian conservative or they're uh, more of a moderate conservative. And you saw that um, play out in Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, where, you know, Joe Biden himself is kind of a, a centrist authoritarian right since center right authoritarian uh, versus Donald Trump, who's kind of in that same vein, but may, but obviously further to the right being a Republican, of course. Um, So you saw them sort of choose a more moderate person in Joe Biden than um, the right winger in Donald Trump. And that's kind of what you're seeing with Warnock and Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker is very extreme. Uh, he has a lot of gaffes. He says a lot of stupid things. You know, um, it, it seems like he has like this past of violence and not being a father and things like that. And so what you saw was Georgians vote for Republicans pretty much everywhere else, including governor, uh, and then not vote for Walker. Uh, that's just because, you know, they are more moderate. They're not going to go on someone's side just because Trump, you know, backed them. Okay. So uh, I was having an interesting conversation with my brother a couple. uh, Yeah, I think it was this past week, actually. And um, he was saying that from his perspective, he assumed that the libertarian candidate, of course, Chase Oliver, was taking away some of the support that would otherwise be for Herschel Walker. And I, I explained to him, or I was trying mm-hmm. to, that, that Chase, if anything, maybe leans a little bit liberty-centric toward even the left. And so it's not quite as cut and dry. Would you say he takes more from the right or from the left? Chase is definitely uh, like a centrist-leaning libertarian, um, almost like a Justin Amash in a way, in the way that you're just kind of almost like classically liberal. Um, also, you know, yeah, uh, I mean, libertarians in reality have the ability to steal from the left and the right, steal, quote unquote, but, you know, take votes from the left and the right, the Democrats and the Republicans, because uh, libertarianism is such a broad kind of thing. You know, like I said, you can be left centrist or right or, you know, you know, and you can have just varying views in between that. Um And so, no, you know, I think that, you know, there are some right wingers that probably voted libertarian just because, you know, 
they were more libertarian leaning and they're probably leftists like me that also voted for chase because we see the way that chase uses liberty in ways that align with a lot of kind of um you know broad you know uh left or centrist values pretty much okay so th- this current Senate runoff uh, ties into, and that entire conversation ties into what my primary follow-up question was from our previous episode we did, which was, of course, you identify as being a left-leaning libertarian. Is that accurate? I want to make sure I'm not, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a, a so it's a couple of things, right? It kind of goes into just like the very history, right? You know. I'm, you know, an anarcho-socialist, which would make me an anarchist, which would make me a left libertarian um, or, you know, also a mutualist, you know, like all those things kind of go into each other the same way that like libertarianism goes into anarchism. Okay. Um, So my main question was, was ideally, would you prefer to support a libertarian candidate let's say for president in 2024 or would you like a green party candidate to come about who really embodies what you stand for and to support the green party candidate instead well see like that's the thing right like i'm not um it's not i'm past party dichotomies and i was past that before i left the democrats i'm certainly past it now um, so, you know, I know enough now to even know that people that say they're libertarians and people that are within the libertarian party um, don't even necessarily align with um, what I or many libertarians would want. So it's not really about the party. It, you know, I feel like we should definitely get past the two party system and move to something like star voting or like ranked choice voting or something like that um, to allow more uh, voices in the American electorate anyway. Basically, yeah, I mean, they would just have to kind of uh, have the values that I care about at this point, you know, because anyone can run for any party, I guess. Okay, and you mentioned ranked choice voting. Of course, that's something we've heard. Chase Oliver has had this um, nice platform through this Mm -hmm. entire Democratic uh, versus Republican uh, Senate runoff, which Chase is all of a sudden you know, somewhat involved in. So uh, hat goes off to him for having a, uh, being opportunistic and kind of having a platform. But one of the things he's spoken about on a big stage mm-hmm. is ranked choice voting. Could you summarize what that is and why, why is that important? I assume you support it also. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So ranked choice voting, uh, <clears throat> basically allows people to uh, choose who they want to be elected without fear of the quote-unquote spoiler effect. Um, Basically, you know, say there's three people running, you rank those people first through third on who you would rather, you know, win that seat. And so there, you can freely put that you want a libertarian to win uh, and then put, you know, you want a Republican second if the libertarian fails. And that libertarian still gets votes and, you know, everybody else gets votes and people aren't really locked into this sort of uh, party-based, you know, sort of voting system. Okay. And the other one you mentioned was star voting. Could you summarize what is star voting? What's the difference between that and ranked choice? 
So both of these things are basically um, voting styles that give the voter an option to sort of prioritize which candidate that they would like to win the race. Um, And so star voting is that same formula, that same sort of concept. um, But the way that you proceed through star voting, um, they've just run some statistics on these alternative forms of voting uh, that we could go through. And um, the, the thing that I guess creates the truest outcome statistically just due to the way that the procedure goes with star voting is star voting out of the two out of ranked choice and star voting. Um, and so that's that's really it. it. You're still prioritizing which candidate that you want to run and in which order in a way. But let's just say the algorithm is different and it creates a truer outcome. And it um, it kind of stops people from doing, the, you know, making deals where they're, you know, they're maybe trying to play kingmaker or something like that. And they're like, hey, you know, I'll swing my support to you if I do such and such and such. Star voting uh does something to kind of help elim- mitigate that factor more so than a uh, ranked choice okay so either of those would be preferential to just the regular oh, yeah. system that most states uh, use right now i think is it alaska currently uses ranked choice they do in nevada just passed support for ranked choice voting um, like Seattle has, I think Washington may do it. I, I'm not sure, but yeah, it's, uh, it's actually gaining a lot of support because, you know, these runoffs, like what Georgia's having actually cost a lot of money. You know, people don't want to come out, you know, to vote again. They, you know, they're tired of the ads. So this act, both of those actually stop runoffs because the winner is decided then and there, because we already know who your second choice is. Okay. And, and focusing specifically on the Georgia Senate race, um, who, who do you think out of uh, Warnock or, or Herschel Walker, who's the better candidate in your opinion and why? Well, you know, obviously, you know, being Democrat, Republican, you know, they both have, you know, various things that, I don't exactly believe in or want to happen, but, you know, a choice is going to be made, you know, whether I vote or, you know, any libertarian votes, there will be someone that uh, is Georgia senator. So, you know, you might as well try to have some say in it, in my opinion. Uh, But, you know, I've seen Herschel Walker, you know, say things like he it doesn't make sense that he has a mental illness because he's never taken any medicine and never drank any alcohol. Um, I've seen him say like, you know, Raphael Warnock, uh, his pronouns are going to be former Senator. And like, those aren't even pronouns. And those are two words. (laughs) And Herschel Walker just seems to be, you know, a violent, or maybe even formerly violent, I don't know, but uh, a mentally unstable man that doesn't really need to be in political power, in my opinion. Okay, so if it were ranked choice, you would you would have had, of course, you'd vote, I assume, for Chase, Chase yeah, number I voted one. For Chase. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then and it then would Warnock be Warnock and then Walker. Okay, Warnock and then right. Walker. Okay, and uh, any idea what, how that's going to 
what the conclusion will be of that that race? I feel like Warnock's going to end up winning. I just, you know, Herschel Walker, like, it's almost like a Joe Biden thing. You know, like when Joe Biden was doing his campaign and it was like every time this man steps up and says something, he says something awful or something stupid. And eventually, you know, the Democrats or his handlers just learned to just kind of hide the man away. Just don't let him speak until he really, really needs to. But no one really seems to be doing that with Herschel Walker. Like every time he has a rally or something like that, he's saying something really stupid or something that just doesn't make any sense. Okay. Uh, Black Mutualist, while I have you on the line today, um, there's, of course, always a a never-ending flood of uh, political uh, headlines going on. Mm-hmm. I, I know yesterday there was, what were there some, uh, uh, I guess an attack on Poland. We don't know if it was Ukraine or Russia. Does anything else out there right now intrigue you? What do you think is the biggest story in the world right now in the world of politics? Man, in the world of politics? Sure. I mean, yeah, that's got to be, you know, the war in Ukraine simply because, you know, it's involved in multiple countries. You know, I actually saw um a you know stat today the military budget has actually increased under Biden um compared to it was under Trump and you know as you might know it wasn't small under Trump either I think it was like 732 billion or something under him but it's increased under Biden. Um you know the this thing is has connected so many lives to it and there's such an inherent danger to it with war with threats of you know nuclear strikes and and you know these bombing things and even you know that that uh headline before about uh in poland there being you know a missile strike you know that was apparently poorly sourced we don't you know it might have been you know a polish missile hitting a russian one or something like that apparently you know my, my uh, friend just hit me up and they were on watching npr and you know npr is even reporting like hey you know yeah we don't really know what's going on right now so and like i, I said to them you know a lot of people stand to make profit if war happens so you know, that's just something that involves a lot of resources, a lot of people, a lot of capital as far as the world goes. So safe to say you are anti-war pretty much at all costs? You know, no, I wouldn't say at all costs, right? There's a difference between being like anti-war and being a pacifist, right? You know, anti-war is like, hey, you know, I would really rather not have war, you know, like I just want to do most things to not do that. But uh, definitely I can see like instances of justified combat, justified war, particularly when, you know, an authoritarian entity or, you know, some entity encroaches on you or encroaches on your rights. Right. That would be an example of justified combat because then it's self-defense. Okay, sounds like a rational justification. Black Mutualist, if you had to, and this is a a little bit of a follow-up from our first episode last Mm -hmm. month, but if you had to uh, uh, reference the, I don't know, authors or economists who have influenced you the most politically, how would you go about ranking um, those, uh, you know, those those people you've you've read and learned from? Who has influenced (laughs) you the most? 
It, you know, it's really crazy. Honestly, the person that influenced me the most is probably Bernie Sanders. <laughs> uh, I was a, a major, major Bernie Sanders fan um, through 2016 through 2019. And um, listening to him and he uh, was, you know, at various points in his career, uh, pretty much left libertarian. That's, that's you know he, he pretty much had many many of those policies, and that's kind of what got me sort of interested and, and kind of looking more and more. And I had people that were kind of libertarian uh, mentors kind of around me, um, but the, I guess the journey through you know 2019 2020 <clears throat> with Bernie basically showed me you know the full workings of the establishment Democrats, you know, and, and party machines and uh, basically <clears throat> the links that people will go through that the elites will go through people with power will go through in order to prevent anything changing the power structure. Uh, so yeah, that, that whole thing, it, it was definitely the biggest influence, Bernie being the biggest influence uh, on me as far as politics goes. Okay. Um, that actually reminds me, I, I try to bounce around and listen to different different stuff when I can. And I was recently listening to Jimmy Dore talking about how Bernie Sanders, in, at least in his mind, was kind of a sellout and pretended to be a progressive <laughs> lefty. And then really, in effect, you know, he votes for war a lot and, you know, things like that. What, what are your thoughts on that type of a take? Do you think Bernie ended up being a sellout? Uh, for me, you know, I thought Bernie, you know, Bernie is, you know, an older man. He's seen a lot. And what it seemed to me was that Bernie was genuinely afraid of Donald Trump and whatever he would bring. And Bernie legitimately, you know, and that might be because of his age, because he doesn't have time necessarily to start over. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't know uh, kind of what will happen, you know, 20 years in the future or something like that. I think that he didn't want to risk splitting the Democrats the way he could have because he saw or he thought that that would have been a way for Donald Trump, who he feared, and everything else that Donald Trump brought with him, which he also feared, into the government in a way that would kind of just destroy any type of fight against them forever. I think he's more of a reformist, and he sort of believed more that you could change the Democrats from within, but I think that's really sort of a, just an, old, an older person's view. Okay, uh, uh, and that brings me to um, Noam Chomsky, of course, mm -hmm. probably one of the most famous, at least living, anarcho um, personalities mm -hmm. in, in the world. Um, but some of his critics would say in his old age, I guess he's like 90 or something. He's, yeah. re he's really old now. But yeah. he, he yeah. has taken some stances about like COVID that, of course, have alienated uh, uh, many people who would traditionally support him. Do, what do you chalk that up to? You think Noam Chomsky is also adjusting because he's been older, he's getting older, and, and he's trying to adjust uh, to, you know, realistically ways to impact mm -hmm. things because of his old age? Or uh, what are your thoughts on Noam Chomsky as of late? 
funny enough, I went to a, a Democratic Socialist uh, meeting on election night uh, a couple a couple days ago. And, uh, you know, I spoke to them and I told them, hey, I've been, you know, I'm a left libertarian. You know, they know what that means, you know, all the stuff about anarcho-socialism and stuff. And obviously, you know, they're not uh, completely against it. But, I, you know, I told them I was part of the Libertarian Party and I kind of explained, you know, we, we just had conversations about kind of market socialism versus authoritarian socialism and anarchism and different ways that you kind of achieve the things that they wanted through market means and through libertarian means. And I actually I had some really good conversations. You know, I think uh, there's a world where they're definitely open to that type of thing. But they asked me something similar when I told them that I was an anarcho-socialist. Uh, and, yeah, I said the, so the same thing. I was like, you know, I, I knew that Noam Chomsky had that kind of same fear um, that you kind of get in that old age, the kind of, you know, not wanting to start over, not wanting to break things down, being kind of said that same fear when, you know, he was saying that, you know, we had to vote for Biden to, you know, just, or else, you know, everything was going to be awful, you know, because I definitely uh, was one of the people saying that Joe Biden is actually very similar to Donald Trump when it comes to politics. Like if you put them on a graph, they're very close together and his presidency wouldn't be that much different than Donald Trump. You know, lo and behold, it's not really that much different from Donald Trump. You know, he just says a lot less. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I just think that it's kind of a fear type of thing that's overcome them mixed kind of with the age, uh, you know, making someone not want to uh, start over or not wanting to, you know, break something down, wanting to stick with what you've rolled with the entire time. And that leads you down some bad paths because you're not adaptable anymore when you become that way. But. Uh, the fact that Noam Chomsky has went on record and advocated for vaccine mandates, uh, to me at least, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that sounds like a contradiction. If he identifies as an, um, you know, an anarchist, and then he's saying there should be vaccine mandates, doesn't that sound kind of like a contradiction? Or, or do you see that? Or what are your thoughts on that as a contradiction or not? I could see him thinking that vaccine mandates was necessary if, for example, he was like, well, you know, you know, at the time people were saying, you know, they actually prevent COVID and they actually, you know, make it so you that you won't be able to transmit COVID. So I guess if he believed that I can see him saying that, yes, we need a vaccine mandate because it's actually like you're you're actually hurting other people if you uh, have COVID and you go into the public and you just don't have this medicine that fights this, you know, this illness. Um, as far as the, I mean, but in a, in a sort of, I guess, objective way. Um, yeah, no, I definitely saying that, you know, a, a state mandate for vaccines should happen is, um, against you know i guess like you know typical anarchist principles uh, unless you see it in that type of way where it's something that must protect everyone in the community or every individual like it's something that's needed that way um but you know a, a lot of people may you know that covid all this shit that happened you know a lot of people pretty much everybody may 
a bad call or a bad prediction on what was going to end up happening with COVID at one point or another. Uh, the only difference is, is that some people that made a bad call had power over other people and were able to, you know, dictate, you know, laws and, and societal things like that. But I don't necessarily fault anyone, you know, just like, oh, you know, you're irredeemable because they turned out being wrong about COVID in some way, whether, you know, what actions we should take or what we should do going forward or what even was going to end up happening with COVID. My interview style is very ADD, so sorry I'm bouncing all over the place. Um, <laughs> it's cool. Of course, you lean more to the left, as I said, than most libertarian people who identify mm. as libertarian that I talk with. Um, for example, let's look no further than Canada. Our neighbor, Canada, most would consider them to be more to the left of the United States. Do you mm. think Canada and the way they run their country right now is preferable to the way the United States runs runs uh, uh, our country. Uh, you know, there's so many different ways you could take that because while Canada is to the left, um, you know, they might be on a similar level of authoritarianism, which is, you know, a big identifier for me, right? That, you know, you can be left, but you could be authoritarian left or libertarian left, and that would cause differences depending on how far up or down you were. Um, there's many things that Canada does that is preferable to what the United States does and how it handles itself, you know, like the United States involvement uh, in kind of uh, war and um, other countries and, and, and other countries politics, you know, uh, Canada is probably preferable in that way. Um, they probably don't, you know, spy on their citizens or spy on other people as much as the United States does. Um, they probably don't have as big of a military budget there. There's probably less income inequality. Um, so, no, no, you know, it's just a mixed bag. It really depends. It, there's lots of things that you can take from lots of different places that make a uh, thing. They can make the United States better pretty much. Okay. All right. I, um, I, I love it. Black Mutualist, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, before we start to wrap up the episode, could you remind our listeners if they're interested in learning more about you, following you on Twitter? I know you're always getting your accounts deleted and stuff like that, but what's the current information for how someone could follow you or learn more about what you have to say? Sure. I, um, I, I said it, I think on the last show, you know, I, I'm a uh, a rapper as well i tend to i'm a conscious rapper i tend to rap about you know authoritarian systems the military industrial complex police brutality um political corruption things of that nature um you know i'm trying to work on release you know an official you know officially produced um and recorded uh, mixtape soon uh within the next month um, you can find me on like SoundCloud as Black Mutualist, on YouTube as Black Mutualist, and on Twitter. I'm there a lot posting uh, about, you know, f football, basketball, politics, astrology, all types, you know, Game of Thrones, all types of stuff at the B Mutualist on Twitter. The T H E B Mutualist. 
Okay, and I should ask, yesterday Donald Trump announced he is, in fact, <laughs> running for president again. Do you think, uh, what, what are your thoughts on the 2024 presidential campaign? Uh, um, I assume you, you think Trump will be the Republican uh, candidate. Um, right. Is that accurate? And what are your thoughts on well, the, the presidential race? It's kind of funny. Number one, I was surprised that Donald Trump um, announced that he was running and immediately decided that he did not want any libertarian votes by saying that he wanted to execute all drug dealers and, and drug sellers and, and uh, things of that nature. I thought that was very interesting. He decided to alienate uh, so many libertarians in that way. Um, I predicted that there was going to be a split in the Republican Party the same way there was a split in the Democratic Party uh, in 2018 and 2019. Um, the only reason that they were able to stay that split was because Donald Trump had won. But with Donald Trump losing to Joe Biden, now we're seeing the cracks that, you know, were forming all that while. Right. So uh, it, it really depends. I think it's a it's a lose-lose either way. If Donald Trump wins the nomination, he's going to lose to Joe Biden. If Donald Trump loses the Republican nomination, his base is probably not going to vote for the quote-unquote establishment or deep state Republican that ends up winning. And that person might also lose unless that person is a true, like, you know, uh, like almost libertarian conservative, like centrist conservative, where they can like be reach independence and stuff like that. Oh, that'd be the only way out of this hole. Interesting. There's been a lot of attack pieces written, not just about the Mises caucus. Of course, there's plenty about the, the current uh, regime of the libertarian party, but just people writing books and all sorts of articles about people trying to, you know, Dennis Prager, um, Who's the Jewish guy? Ben, um, uh, damn it. Is that Shapiro? Yeah, Ben Shapiro okay. did one. Dennis Prager did one. Ben Shapiro. Uh, there's a lot of, like I said, books and uh, articles trying to discredit the entire idea of libertarianism recently. And consistent with what you're saying there, uh, it sounds at least for the sake of this conversation, the narrative would be that libertarian ideas are more popular today than they have been in the past. Um, do you think that's right. the case? And I, I mean, based on your description, you sounded like you thought that's the way that the, the Republican Party could win is if they embrace some of that. Um, do you think it's accurate that libertarian ideals are growing? Well, you know, the Republican Party has almost run out of space to go right. So the only way back into winning would be to go left which would be towards the center or down towards libertarian like you know that conservative libertarian kind of core that's in that centrist uh sort of block um libertarianism i think is popular you know regardless right if you ask people and i, I talked to shane hazel about this if you go and you talk to people and you just speak about you know libertarian ideas or you know concepts but you don't really put a name behind it people will generally agree. They'll say it makes a lot of sense, right? And, you know, you ask them, hey, do you think that, you know, the government should have control over your body? People on both sides, men and women will say, no, I don't, you know, and, you know, hey, should you just get taxed and have no real control over your taxes? And, you know, it just happened automatically. No, they don't think that at all. So, but it's when you put these terms on the ideas, like, 
anarchism or libertarianism and things like that. It's part of the brainwashing that, you know, an authoritarian would, you know, put out to the public to discredit these ideas. That's what authoritarians do. They encourage you that you need them, that you, you know, don't need um, to break away from, you know, their systems and and their profits, their their businesses and things like that. Um, so I just, but the libertarianism, I think, is just come more into the mainstream. I think the internet and social media has helped a lot because a lot of people are seeing it. Um, but you kind of touched on it earlier, you know, the negative perceptions and the negative kind of aspects that are coming out as a result of some of the people in libertarian leadership um, and, and people in charge of certain libertarian affiliate affiliates, like maybe New Hampshire, they're casting a negative shadow on what could be gained in you know what is really an important moment this is something this is a moment where libertarians can make the greatest gains they've seen you know in the last 50 years and before we wrap up the episode what what is your i know it's very early we're a couple years out from the election but what is your prediction for who will be the republican candidate for president and who will be the Democratic candidate for president? Who will be the Libertarian candidate? And who do you think will win? I know I'm putting you <laughs> on the spot way out, but what's your prediction? Right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, man, I don't think that Donald Trump is... If Okay, if Ron DeSantis, because he said that he does not want to run for president, if, Don, if Ron DeSantis decides to run for president, he's going to destroy everybody. Everybody else that's in the Republican Party looking for nomination might as well just quit. If he does not, Donald Trump is going to be the candidate. Um, I know that's like a little bit of a hedge. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But you think if DeSantis wants to, he could swoop mm-hmm. in and be the Republican oh, yeah, candidate it's over, be, it's over Trump? Be way easy. Yeah, it's going to be easy for him. He's, he's, uh, you know, the report saying like he's kind of like Trump with the brain. It's kind of true. He's kind of a, a better, smarter version of Trump in a way. Okay. Um, For the Democrats, man, you know, I really hope Joe Biden doesn't run again. <laughs> I really hate him. I wish, also, I like to return to being black. So, Anytime, whenever he stops being, you know, stops being president, I guess I'll be black once more. When, whenever he says you can. Yeah, I get either he has to restore my blackness by decree or I guess he has to just not be president anymore. Okay. And then I suppose I'll gain it back. Um, but but being uh, if you want to vote for a black candidate, you got Kamala Harris. So that's a good one, right? No, Kamala Harris is awful. And <laughs> she and she. <laughs> And she only she conveniently stopped saying she was black right after she won vice president and started saying she was Asian again. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. You know, the Democratic Party, man, who who really could do it at that point? Because it's like the Democrats have to face this split between like the AOC Rashida Tlaib wing and like the Joe Biden Joe Manchin wing. And it's like, who's going to end up winning that? If Joe Biden wants to run again, he'll get the support of the party. So I'm going to go I'm going to go I'm going to go with Joe Biden or uh, Pete Buttigieg. Mm, OK, <laughs> yeah, because I think Pete Buttigieg is just a young modern version of Joe Biden for real. (laughs) 
Okay. And then and what about the libertarian candidate? Who who do you predict for that? Man, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I might have said, I might have went ahead and said Dave Smith. But I think the stuff with him endorsing Blake Masters in Arizona and Blake Masters then like losing, like even if you added Mark Victor's percentage to him, he still would have lost. I think that put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths to see him openly support using officially libertarian nominated sponsored ran candidates, uh, getting them to endorse a Republican. So I feel like that's dropped his favor a little bit um, to where he might not have the support to get the nomination if everybody shows up. Okay, uh, so if it's not if it's not Dave Smith, do you have a prediction? I don't know that it really matters who would be the Libertarian candidate. I don't want to sound pessimistic <laughs> no, or anything. Just, being, just being realistic, yeah. I don't know that no, it would matter. You. But do you have a a, a a a candidate that you think may be the the uh, Libertarian candidate if it, if it wasn't basically, to be Dave Smith? Basically, just kind of like what you're saying. Basically, the candidate for the Libertarian Party has to just kind of play a mascot role. You're there to kind of raise awareness about libertarianism and kind of tell people about the ideas and get them like to know, like to start thinking and stuff like that. Um, if Justin Amash wants it, I say he can have it. He'll get it. Definitely. Like if he if he's decided to run, even if it's against Dave Smith, he'd get it. OK. But who knows if he'll want to take it or not. OK. So Justin Amash, if not Dave Smith. All right. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, Black Mutualists, I really appreciate your time. I look forward to speaking with you again at some point in the future. For sure. Thank you very much. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for having these conversations. You know, I love what you do. and It's very important. I appreciate it. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to The Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon. 